Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. My name is Brian Ardinger, your host, and as always, we have another amazing guest with us today, Jeff Roars. He is the CMO of Yext. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jeff, I want to have you on the show for a couple different reasons. One, we're always talking about new trends and new things that we're seeing from a technology perspective, but also from a customer perspective. And I thought you'd be a great person to bring on to talk about that. Let me give our audience a little bit of background and then I'll have you jump in and kind of add to that. You are the uh, Chief Marketing Officer at, at Yext. You used to serve as a, a VP of Marketing and Insights at Salesforce and Exact Target. So you've been around this space forever. You wrote a book called Audience, Marketing in the Age of Subscribers, Fans, and Followers. And I do believe you have a new ebook coming out. It's co-authored by Jay Baer called The Everywhere Brand, Embracing the Universe Beyond Your Website and App. All that's a mouthful. That's the reason why I wanted to have you on, because you've been in the space of looking at the evolution of marketing and how brands communicate and work with their customers. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in marketing and what are you seeing currently in this new role at Yext? I got involved in marketing by way of being a lawyer first, but I had degrees in mass communication and a master's in mass communication in addition to my JD. Long story short, as I went along that journey from the law firm to LexisNexis, I realized that a lot of my communication skills were translating into marketing copy or addressing competitive threats, things as a field seller or a field trainer. And that allowed me then to make a leap in the late 90s into a digital agency and then another digital agency where I became president and forged their partnership with Exact Target, which then led me to the Exact Target world for about six years prior to the acquisition by Salesforce. It has been exactly as I planned it, you know, when I went to college, no <laughs> twists and turns whatsoever, <laughs> but I have a son who's graduating high school this year, and it's fascinating to reflect on that because technology has thrown us all so many curveballs, and one of the biggest things you can be to be successful is adaptable, very good communicator, and ultimately trying to see around corners, and that's what I've tried to do with my career, and it's what led me to Yex. This was the first role that I was ever headhunted into. And as they kind of talked about the vision for the company and I got to sit down with the CEO, Howard Lerman, I saw the potential here and, and this idea of, you know, our mission being putting perfect information in the hands of consumers everywhere. And our contribution to that is making sure that companies control the public objective facts about their businesses, their locations, their events, their people across all of the digital universe. And that's a digital universe that just continues to expand, right? From all the different apps you have on smartphone to your car getting smarter to voice assistance to AI enabled chatbots and technologies. And that's ultimately what led me here was that kind of excitement of being in a place where solving for that mission of perfect information. It's almost a new platform you're trying to develop. People probably have heard of Salesforce and Exact Target, but at the time those were trend centers with regard to whether it's CRM or you know direct uh, marketing and that. So talk a little bit about Yext and from my understanding, you're creating you know, a digital knowledge management platform. And so tell the audience a little bit about what that is and, and why it's so important nowadays for marketers and, and innovators. We do call our space digital knowledge management or DKM for short. And it is a different kind of challenge as a marketer because 
at Exact Target ESPs, email service providers, that was an established category. At Salesforce, CRM was an established category. Their innovation was the cloud portion of that and then the expansion of the, the multiple clouds that they do. For us, it is you know, proselytizing passionately that look, there's a fundamental change that has been happening in consumer behavior. Our own research shows that about 73% of the high intense traffic brand related from consumers is actually taking place off of your website. And most people will note that their website traffic is going down kind of organically because it's moving into apps and other places where people can get the pieces of information they need about you, whether it's an address, directions, store hours, insurance that a, a particular doctor or hospital group accepts, they can get it elsewhere. What we're trying to suggest is and build is really a platform that makes it as easy to update all of that information across those third-party sites as it is to update your website through a, a web content management system. In doing that, what it does is it flips the paradigm from thinking about big content as being the most important to realizing it is the smallest content, it is the micro content, it is, is the facts about your business that are most important. Because right now I'm sitting in New York City and it, as we're taping this, it's nearing the lunch hour. And most people will make their lunch decisions only within a few minutes of actually grabbing lunch. And so that means the mobile device or smartphone is principal in that decision. And there is both branded and unbranded search happening not only in the search engines, but also in the maps now, where they're trying to say, hey, who's got great soup near me? Who's got pizza near me? Who has the best Thai food? So those are unbranded. But then they're also looking for, you know, where's the closest Arby's to me? Right. And those are the things that we try and solve for at scale, because to try and update that manual these days, is not as simple as just doing it manually through Google My Business because that only handles the Google ecosystem. How are you handling the Facebook ecosystem? How are you handling the Microsoft ecosystem, the Amazon ecosystem? And that was one of the, the big announcements we made about a month and a half, two months ago was we're the first player to directly integrate with Amazon Alexa and our customers are able to update name, address, store hours, phone, that type of information across that Alexa universe as well. So we're always trying to push our customers' data into all of the customer endpoints that matter, in the moments that matter, the decision points. And that is a different paradigm than SEO. SEO was, let's wait for things to get crawled. Let's update the website. Let's optimize. Let's try and reverse engineer an algorithm, the black box algorithm. And that served us very, very well. But we've now moved to a place where those services want direct facts from the best source, and they've recognized the business is often the, or is the best source for those objective facts. We're, we're up on that soapbox preaching that gospel of digital knowledge management, and we think that it holds a tremendous amount of promise for companies. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that brands are struggling with, this, this idea of micro experiences. And it used to be where if you're a big brand, you had a couple of different channels to get in front of folks, and you could control those channels to a certain extent, whether it was TV or magazines, et cetera. And and now through technology and otherwise, it, the landscape has just changed. And I imagine it's even changed a lot over the last couple of years where you, you mentioned some of the new stuff coming out from whether it's voice or Siri or whatever. How are you as a, a marketer and, and as a company kind of keeping up and, and keeping pace that allows your customers to kind of keep pace with some of these new technologies that are coming out? Well, we have a great strategy team led by Mark Ferentino and a visionary CEO and Howard Lerman. The two of them combined with the product organization do an amazing job of seeing around corners, which again is one of the ways I've got in my career. You've got to look to not just what you think the next big thing is, 
but you want to be looking at both what are your customers needing and develop mm -hmm. a product accordingly and you also need to look at what is driving consumer behavior so if you look at voice assistants some of the stats i've seen suggest that voice assistants the actual physical devices are the fastest adopted consumer technology in history faster than the smartphone and when you think about it you know alexa pushing it google pushing it microsoft has their version apple has their version sonos now has voice assistant cooked in it through uh, partnerships you begin to understand how oh, that's very interesting but we're in the early innings our philosophy is that we need to hone our vision and focus on what we do great and what we do great are those objective facts and so where do those facts need to be where do companies need to manage their digital knowledge at scale? And creating those relationships and those direct integrations then enable us to kind of help future-proof our customers' marketing efforts because, you know, case in point, again, the integration with Amazon Alexa, our customers didn't need to lift a finger. We turn on that switch, we have the integration, they are there. And that is, I think, one of the ways we provide comfort for our customers is because it is very hard in an ever-expanding universe of digital services to have individual point solution strategies. You just can't do it, it doesn't scale. But if you know that you've got the baseline, like the entry level knowledge that your customers need everywhere, right? And, and it reduces friction, it gives you brand control, it drives more feet through the door, then you're able to say, I got this covered, let's focus our efforts through the efficiencies we've gained elsewhere. And a great example of this is we just launched our Yext for Events product and Ben and Jerry's is, is a longtime customer and, and they were in the beta of that. And everybody is probably familiar with their free cone day where mm -hmm. they shut the stores save for giving away free ice cream cones, which is go harkens back to the early days when they wanted to expose the product and thank their customers. Well, even though that's a well-known promotion, it gets a ton of PR every year. There still was a person in their marketing organization spending hundreds of hours updating the event information across social, across search, across all of their properties, we were able to condense that into basically two hours of work because we built the network of distribution to eight different event services, plus submission to Google events. And then they've got these hours that they've saved. Now they can apply those to more strategic efforts that add additional value. If I think about my own team as well, so step aside from our product and what we offer to the marketplace, our team is also thinking about where do we gain efficiencies, right? You can't always add employees. So how do we become more efficient? How do we leverage contract talent? How do we leverage technology? So many of the same thoughts and strategies I have to put in place as a marketer for my team are the same things we're trying to solve for from a product standpoint. Absolutely. Are you seeing this trend or change from the standpoint that platforms themselves are looking for better ways to you know, leverage their platform? So they're looking for partners like yourself that can help them add to the value that, of the platform that they provide, whether it's, you know, again, Alexa or Google Places or whatever. Are you seeing those companies kind of reaching out to players like yourself to create those integration things? Or is it much more you're seeing the opportunities and then you're going back out and, and trying to find those platforms where people engage? Great question. I mean, in the early days of this company, it was all you know, outbound efforts, right, to build those relationships. Because again, we were forging a category, we were building a completely new paradigm. As we went public last year, as we had some of these larger integration announcements, be it you know, Google a couple of years ago, be it Amazon this year. Earlier this year, we also announced integration with TripAdvisor. That certainly increases our visibility in the ecosystem, and we're now a more, a more known quantity 
it certainly is one of the things that comes about from being a public company. And that does certainly create some some inbound inquiries and increased opportunities for us. But it's really a mixture of both. But we absolutely have a very dedicated team on our knowledge network, constantly looking at not only can we expand, are there additional partnerships that we should be adding, say, in different verticals or other things, but also how can we deepen the integrations? How can we create more near real-time types of integrations? And that will always be an ongoing effort. Absolutely. So a lot of our audience, you know, a number of them are startups, entrepreneurs, uh, innovators from that perspective. And we also have a lot of corporate innovators that are kind of spinning up new activities in that. Obviously, a, a digital knowledge platform, marketing platform around makes a lot of sense if you have you know, hundreds of locations and different places where customers can intersect and, and work with that particular brand. When you're starting out as a startup and that, what advice that you would give to be able to create that platform and scale to that point where you do have multiple locations and that and be able to manage that at the very earliest stages of the business before they have the complexity that they're going to obviously have when you have multiple locations? Well, another thing that attracted me to Yext was it has a shoe for every foot. So this company actually grew out of serving small businesses. So even the smallest business can benefit from our platform and managing the information about a single location. Now, we will principally do that through some of our strategic partners these days who bundle our services with other marketing services. Because for true small businesses, you don't want to have 10 different marketing systems you're logging in to do different things, email, Yext, to other types of digital knowledge management social management, those types of things. And so a lot of these partners will aggregate those. That's certainly one of the ways that we look to serve that market. But overall, knowing kind of your audience, if they're in more of like a tech startup, one of the things that I really admire that Howard and Brian, the co-founders of Yex, did early on is they look to get vertical industry advisors on board and have relationships with them that could open up their Rolodex and also whom they could really brief on what the product does, and those folks could be advocates in the marketplace. I think that was a, a very, very smart move, and it has served to benefit us over time. And we continue to you know, have a number of those different relationships. And then as we expand internationally, those relationships, those types of advisors are, are worth their weight in gold, just because they open up doors, they help you understand the cultural nuances of those types of marketplaces. Absolutely. So you have a new ebook coming out, or I think it's actually out already called The Everywhere Brand. Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about the book, how it came to be, and, and what they should expect when they go and try to download it. So The Everywhere Brand, actually, Jay and I published, Jay Bear, a longtime friend, long, you know, a multi-time author. In fact, his new book, Talk Triggers, with Daniel Lemon, has just come out. Highly recommend it for anybody interested in word-of-mouth marketing, amplification of their marketing. Jay and I have known each other for years and years because we were both presidents of early reseller partners of Exact Target. And then when I was at Exact Target, we worked with Jay just as he was starting Convince and Convert. And when I came here, brought that relationship along. But Jay and I were brainstorming one day and, and we were talking about the whole Yext vision and kind of spontaneously this idea of, wow, brands are going to have to be everywhere brands came out. And as we refined that, it really meant, okay, how, how are brands going to control how they appear across physical and digital ecosystems, and what does that entail? And so in that ebook, we came up with uh, seven different traits or tenants, if you will, of the everywhere brand. Things like they need to be very customer-centric, and that's a very trite phrase, but it, it, you know, to be an everywhere brand, you've got to walk in the shoes of the consumer and understand what, what are they doing to engage with you. And that's not just assuming they've seen your advertising and they know how to get to you. It's 
devices, services, in-car, at-home, really thinking through all those applications. So customer-centric is a big one. Granular is another one, meaning you've got to have a digital knowledge management philosophy and process and technology in place to manage all of those objective facts because those are the things your customers are interacting with most, whether they know your brand or not. Mm-hmm. You want to have, you want to be active, meaning you need to be actively managing that. So as we record this, Hurricane Florence has, I think, finally finished dumping rain on right. the Carolinas, but there were an awful lot of businesses that were closed and that are still closed, especially in the Wilmington area. How do you let digital consumers know those are closed, they're not operating on normal hours, and then route them to places where they can get serviced? A couple of years ago, one of our banking customers in the West Coast of Canada was dealing with the tremendous forest fires out there. And they need to be able to route first responders to ATMs so that they can get cash for lunches and things like that. So that's a piece of it. And without going through all seven, you know, some of the other ones are real-time, innovative. So we really go into the conversation around these traits. And you know, folks can download that on yex.com. You can also, on YouTube, if you just Google Roars Everywhere Brands and Onward, which is our annual conference, you'll see Jay and I giving a, about a 20, 25-minute keynote about the concepts in the everywhere brand, but it is how do you become that brand that is actively managing all of that digital knowledge, all the information about your brand consistently, physically, and across the digital universe because of just all of the benefits that it gives you and the friction that it eliminates for the consumer. I love it. I'm excited to dig into that particular aspect of it because you know we are seeing it through, even from the standpoint of like, Asking customers like, what industry is Amazon in? Or what industry is, you know, name a company? And realizing like, that those traditional boundaries are breaking down as well. And, and oh, oh, a lot yeah. of it comes down to it, like, uh, it's no longer, you're no longer a retailer. You're no longer a you know, manufacturer. You're, you're a variety of different things to a variety of different people that it's all contextual. So, you know, it's ahead. very timely that you say that because an article just came out today showing that Amazon is the third largest digital ad network now. <laughs> there you go, yeah. I mean, that's case in point. Well, I think there's some survey that said that 50, 60% of the people would gladly use Amazon as their bank if they offered those particular services. So, you know, how does that come into play? Truly amazing uh, time we're living in that. Given that, what are some of the kind of trends or things that you're kind of excited about uh, digging into uh, or people should be digging into in the next uh, few years? Well, certainly voice is here and it will evolve. Voice is a couple of different things, right? There are voice commands, which is much more like the, the sci-fi, you know, kind of control the ship type of stuff. And then there is also voice as discovery, trying to find services, products, things around you. That I think will be very interesting. Voice, we have to remember, is just one UI. Right. So, you know, we're used to typing on the computer. We're used to texting on the phone. You now have voice into the phone and the voice assistants in the car. And you also now have visual search as an AI or the camera on your phone. If you look at Google Lens or if you download Google Photos and use the Lens feature, it will actually look at a photo and tell you what's in that photo. And if you're in the real world, you can hold up Google Lens and look around and it'll show you the digital knowledge about that place behind the scenes. So the UIs continue to change. Second piece is the AI. AI is not monolithic. It's not one thing. It's it's effectively different layers of technology that are seeking to merge content and context for a better experience or a better answer. We already use AI every day. And in fact, I think it was, I want to say it was Reuters or, or one of the news services said that about 85% of, of Americans are actually already using some sort of AI service. I mean, when you use Uber, you're right. using AI behind the scenes. When you use Google, 
you're using AI behind the scenes and you can't control that piece. And so what we like to say is you can't control the UI, you can't control the AI, but you can control the information they know about you. And that's kind of our laser sharp focus. So I encourage people to continually consume the information, the headlines, the things that are happening in the moment, but not let it overwhelm them. I have a few different favorite sources for that. I've, I've been a longtime fan of Smart Brief, which is a company that aggregates and does a whole bunch of different newsletters for different industry associations or topics. And so they've got great ones on social media, search marketing. I, I just saw they did one for the Bev industry, but they literally have hundreds of these newsletters. And I've been a subscriber for, gosh, possibly 20 years. And the reason is, is it, it allows for that quick headline reading and I can delve into it. I found out about the Amazon information today from a smart brief. eMarketer, similarly, I've been a longtime subscriber of eMarketer because I'm skimming the headlines, I'm skimming the data, I'm looking at what are the trends, what are the things, and then I go down the rabbit hole when it interests me, and that's how I discover other sources. And Absolutely. so we don't all have a lot of time, but we all have smartphones. And so when you just get on a few of those trusted sources and you go down the rabbit hole as time permits, you are educating yourself. You're exposing yourself to things that could be of greater interest. So that passion for continual learning, I think, is imperative for marketers today, as is not being afraid of change and being adaptable. Those three skills I actually interview for. I actually want to see that in the people that we bring on board, because if we have those things, I know they can adjust and adapt with the speed of business that a company like ours, while we're out of startup phase and we're public, we are still moving and growing very fast. And so you have to have those skills in order to grow as a, as a professional uh, and rise to the challenges that are presented to you. I wholeheartedly agree. And unfortunately, we, we are out of time. We talked about time as being one of those core uh -huh. uh, key components to all of this, but I could actually talk hours uh, on these particular topics with you. And, and I really do appreciate you coming on the show to kind of enlighten our audience a little bit about uh, some of the new trends and that that you're seeing. For those of us who want to either connect with you or find out more about Yext, what's the kind of the best way to do that? Our website is yext.com. You can follow us at yext and you can uh, connect with me on Twitter. I'm at J-K-R-O-H-R-S. Jeff, thank you very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Thank you very much for awesome. being on the show. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.